Good afternoon, and welcome back to the Yes Functional Longevity Podcast. We'll give you insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. I'm live now. I wasn't live a minute ago. So, well, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Yes Functional Longevity Podcast. We'll give you insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Uh, my name is Chris Borda, best-selling author and owner of Yes Fitness, and I want to thank you for taking time from your busy day to listen to what I have to say. I don't really have any housekeeping, not much going on right now, people coming in the door, getting fit, getting results, um, so nothing really special going on at this time of year, not yet, but when we do, I'll let you know. So let's just get right into this today, I have some information for you on really what kind of goes into a program, and if you really look into work with somebody, or if you're trying to get it done on your own, what will constitute having an effective customized exercise program. And we know that just about almost any type of exercise is good for an older adult compared to doing nothing. I mean, something is better than nothing, right? Uh, unless you're going to hurt yourself. But if you just get into the gym and you're getting on an elliptical and you're getting some blood flow and you're getting outside walking, yes, yeah, something is better than nothing. If you're getting on some machines and you're doing a little bit of lifting, Yes, something's better than nothing. And just meeting the minimum guidelines for cardiovascular resistance and flexibility exercise can improve your health, your fitness, and your functional abilities while helping to protect you against chronic diseases like um, heart disease and the functional design of the decline of your, of your brain, of your mind. So, and, you know, there's organizations out there, you may be aware of it, may not be aware of it, but there's organizations out there like the American College of Sports Medicine that provide excellent recommendations regarding exercise types, intensities, uh, the quantities, um, rest, everything that's on what you should be doing for an exercise program, okay? And it's based on some solid research for really all adults of all, of all ages. However, the difficulty of creating a universal guidelines or recommendations for everyone is that older people, older population is extremely diverse. And recommendations focus more on health-related outcomes rather than on functional abilities. Health is really, really important. But even if you're in poor health, you still need to be able to function. And from a functional perspective, the diversity within older adult population dictates that a very individualized, tailored approach is much more appropriate. That, that is a key to getting results because I'm a little bit more fit, so my program as a 63-year-old would be different than a 63-year-old's program who might have heart disease, who's deconditioned, who may have some joint pains. And as mentioned previously, since individuals also vary widely in their needs and abilities, an individualized approach is really warranted. Now, you may be aware, you may not be aware, just recently, a couple weeks ago, I headed down to uh, Virginia for the IDEA conference. Always got to stay ahead of the industry. If you're not staying, if you're not moving forward, you're getting passed. So I attended the Functional Aging Institute's um, workshop. There's seminars, an all-day seminar, plus there's an online course that goes with this. And I was uh, able to 
acquire a functional aging specialist certification. For what it's worth, the Functional Aging Institute is an organization that really focuses on everything that gets involved in improving the lifestyle of improving the function of older adults. And when we talk about older adults, this, you know, we start to deteriorate at a very young age. We know at age 30 we start to lose muscle mass, right? And we start to feel our, our aerobic conditioning starting to fall apart, you know, decrease, I will say, at age 30. Um, so although I talk about adults or older adults, this really process really starts at much earlier in life, and we need to think about that as we're going forward. Now, the Functional Aging Institute, and much of the information I'm going to talk about today is really directly from them, okay? I thought they did an excellent job. I think they're spot on with a lot of things that you do. And, you know, they have a system, just like we have a system, that when someone comes in our door, number one, we need to perform an in-depth health history, interview them, make sure we know their, their past medical information and where they are right here, right now, so we can meet the people where they're at right now, what their exercises experiences, um, what, their what their goals are, and all that kind of stuff. And then they talk about uh, administering the appropriate screening and functional assessments so we can determine, again, what level the client is at so we know where to start them, so we know where to, to go to depending upon what their goal is, what exercises are appropriate, what, what's, what other screenings might be necessary to get them to where they want to be. We need to create a training program that prioritizes the specific deficits while simultaneously addressing as many of all the other domains that we're going to talk about in a few minutes in an exercise program considering your health condition. All through the program, and we want to make sure they're performing ongoing qualitative assessments to determine whether we need to make some changes in the program or not, whether we need to make some progressions, whether we need to make some regressions. Maybe we can go a little bit faster, maybe we need to take our foot off the gas a little bit. So that needs to be ongoing, literally, Every set, every rep that we look at and watch our clients do, we're assessing where they're at and whether we should move forward or not. And then, of course, you need to do some follow-up assessing to make sure that what you're doing is working. And you can give the client some feedback so that helps motivate them when they can see that, hey, you know what, this is where I want to be, this is where I'm at, but I'm slowly getting to where I need to be. So it's really important. Follow-up assessments are really important. Gives so much information, valuable information back to the coaches, the programming department, and to the client. So it's important to note that function is prioritized over any specific disease condition. Now, this is a real um, emphasis in the Functional Aging Institute. And the reason for that is it's very simple. Everyone needs to enhance or retain their functional abilities no matter what disease condition they have. So they use an example here. This is directly from them. Consider two individuals that are both 75 years old and they have poor lower body strength, power, and they struggle. So they have lower body strength, they have poor lower body strength, they have poor power, and they struggle to get out of a chair and climb stairs. And the first person has no specific conditions, while person number two has significant osteoarthritis of the knees. So they both need to get stronger, right? They need, both need to get more powerful in order to do their functional tasks, to get up and down the stairs, to get out of their chairs. But the one has no issues where the other person has some osteoarthritis issues. 
So the programs may look a little bit similar. They may include some of the same exercises. They may include stat, uh, calf raises or sit to stand or squats or deadlifts, et cetera. But they might be the same. But a change that might have to happen is some variables in the loads, the sets, the reps, and maybe some of the corrective exercises. For example, the person with osteoarthritis may perform more reps at lower loads with a smaller range of motion in order to decrease the symptoms and the pains and the stiffness in their knees. However, as their symptoms decrease over time, we're going to assess that and we're going to move them along to the point where they can participate in some regular exercise, just like the person who had no osteoarthritis in their system. So that's really what kind of needs to go on and what we kind of think about. Now, I'm going to try something here today that I've never tried before, and I'm going to attempt to share my screen. I may need to put my glasses on for this. Let's see if I can Okay, so why can't I see that today? Pardon me for for dilly down. I'm going to put my glasses on so I can actually see a little bit better. And comments. Wow, this is crazy. Wouldn't you know that Facebook constantly changes everything? Everything. A couple weeks ago, I could share my screen. Today, I can't share my screen. That really messes things up. Just let me keep looking here for one second because in case I'm missing it, makes this presentation today just a little bit more challenging for you. All right, so I have some, some data here today. So what we're going to take a look at is this, okay? You can't see it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Physical function, and this would be just such a great thing to be able to share with you because you'll be able to see all the different components of what I'm talking about here, but I'll be gosh darn if I can't find it on here. All right, well, here we go. Maybe I can post it underneath so you'll get an idea what I'm talking about when it's all said and done. So we have the physical function right in the middle here, okay? And branched off of that, we have six different things. We have neuromuscular, we have musculoskeletal, we have cardiorespiratory, we have balance, mobility, and cognitive emotion. So there's six areas that we take a look at when we are programming, okay? From there, each of the areas have smaller components. So let's say, for example, musculoskeletal. We have endurance, joint integrity, strength, speed, and power. That's what we look at when we're programming for musculoskeletal things. When we take a look at our cardiorespiratory, we have aerobic, anaerobic, and 
uh, CP. When we take a look at balance, we have center of gravity control, multi-sensory, postural strategies and fitness. When we take a look at mobility, we're taking a look at floor and sit-to-stand abilities, okay? Walking gait, agility, running gait, and obstacle negotiation, okay? It's all part of mobility. When we take a look at cognitive emotional stuff, we take a look at memory, processing speed, attention, executive function, and self-efficacy. Excuse me. And then finally, we take a look at neuromuscular stuff. We look at motor control. We look at coordination. We take a look at proprioception, and we take a look at reaction time. Now, these are all different things that we take a look at when we're doing our programming. And let me see if I can find something on here. Um, really think was going to happen on the computer. We're not having a very good technical day here today, but no worries. We'll get it figured out. So let's first talk about um, skeletal muscle changes, okay? And it's an area that people are probably most familiar with, so we're going to start with that. We, we pretty much all know that muscular performance declines as we get older. And it's pretty much reported, it's commonly reported that strength decre declines in sedentary older adults at the same rate of about 1% per year, beginning with their 50s. And it accelerates to approximately 3% per year once they've reached their 70s. So when you're a little bit older, it's going a little bit faster. However, there's a, a significant degree of variability in the literature as to why this happens. So there's a decline in muscular performance, and it's primarily attributed to the loss of muscle mass, which is known as sarcopenia. And since strength is highly correlated to muscle cross-sectional area, sarcopenia is going to make us weaker, okay? The average individual lose approximately 40% of their muscle mass between the ages of 20 and 70. So 40%, almost half of your muscle mass between ages 40 and 70. With a slightly greater loss in the lower extremities, that would be your legs, and the upper extremities being your arms, okay? And this muscle mass that we lose, okay, is generally the fast twitch muscle fibers. So we have two kinds of muscle fibers in our bodies. Sort of, we're just gonna keep it basic, simple today. Two kinds of muscle fibers in our body. We have our fast twitch muscle fibers, whereas if we had a lot of fast twitch muscle fibers, we would be a, a sprinter in the Olympics or a shot putter, very explosive. If we had a lot of slow twitch muscle fibers, we might be um, um, a marathon runner in the Olympics, okay? So as we age, we decrease in size in the fast twitch, the type two muscle fibers, much more than the slow twitch. And that's really important. And why that is, is the loss of fast twitch muscle fibers has a major impo impact on the muscle's ability to generate the necessary forces required for specific tasks, like power, like getting up and out, and out of the chair, getting up and down out of stairs, up and down stairs. And, and muscle power, as declines, 
inclines more steeply than it does the strength. So that's why we don't perform as well as we get older. So when we're looking at the musculoskeletal area, one area that we take a look at, we take a look at strength, speed, and very importantly, power as we develop our programs. We also take a look at muscle endurance because we want to be able to go for a long time, but it's power that we want to take a look at as we, as we move along in our programming. So the next area we want to take a look at is the neuromuscular changes in aging, okay? We took a little bit of strength. We know we're going to lose muscle mass, so now all the things associated with that loss of muscle mass is going to deteriorate our performance. So now as we take a look at neuromuscular changes as we age, and that's the ability to coordinate muscular activity into functional movement, fine motor performance, and also declines as we age. Probably know this. You probably know this. All this stuff is going to decline, and significant declines in functional tasks, such as putting on your shirt, managing, you know, putting on small buttons, putting your clothes on, zipping garments, things like that. All that kind of coordination goes away. Now you may be saying, oh, you know, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s. I don't notice that at all. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen if you don't do something about it. And motor performance doesn't have to decrease like that. It's not really part of the aging process. Changes in the sensory motor systems, okay, contribute to the decline of motor performance. That's a visual, that's the vestibular, that's the somatosensory, all those sensories that we use for balance. And you know, some people will say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but research really shows that regarding motor learning with older adults, that is not true older adults are able to improve existing skill performances and learn new skill performances, okay? It may take a little bit longer than we did when we were younger, but the research shows that you can improve those skill performances. So as we look in the neuromuscular area, we take a look at programming motor control, we take a look at program coordination, we take a look at proprioception, we take a look at reaction time, all those things go into neuromuscular developing. So if you're going to just go to a facility, go to a gym, pick up some weights and do some dumbbell curls, probably really nothing that you need to do, or get on some machines and do some leg extension and, and uh, squat press and things like that, yeah, it's going to develop some strength, but that strength does not correlate into being functionally better. It doesn't correlate into increasing or improving the neuromuscular performance of the body. So yeah, it's better than doing nothing, getting on no machines, but hey, if we're gonna take the time to work out, most people don't like to work out. Most people tell you they don't have time to work out. If we're gonna work out, Let's be efficient in the time that we're going to spend doing it. So we want to make sure that we're addressing the musculoskeletal area. That would be endurance, strength, speed, and power. And we want to be addressing neuromuscular power, uh, performance for reaction time, proprioception, coordination, and motor control. These are all things that we think about when we're, go we're working on our programming for our clients. And again, everyone is different, so it can be very individualized. 
So there are some skeletal system changes that also go on, and we all know about these. That's the decline in bone density at an approximate rate of about 1% per year from age 40 to 50, both in men and women. Bone loss occurs in both men and women. And in women, bone loss increases to 2 to 3% per year during and the five years, five to 10 years following menopause. Women can lose often up to one third of their bone mineral density during this time. In a couple of weeks, I'm gonna talk about bone density and the best exercises you can do for bone density, but that's a little bit more than we can handle just in today's thing. Today, we're just taking a look at the kind of stuff that we wanna look at. And certainly as we get older, it gets worse and worse. It increases at higher rates in our eighth and ninth decades. Let the Lord help us live to those days, right? So we know about osteoporosis. So as we're taking a look at our strength training programs, all right, our musculoskeletal programs, we wanna make sure that we're doing something to address that. And you're gonna be surprised that there are gonna be some things that you're like, wow, I always thought that that was good for bone density. Like let's say running. And we think running and impact is good for bone density. Well, tune in in a couple of weeks and you're gonna find that that may not be true. So we've taken a look at two areas so far. We've looked at the neuromuscular area and we looked at the musculoskeletal area. Now we're gonna look at the cardiorespiratory area. Um, I don't need to tell you that, you know, cardiovascular, we change as we age, our maximum aerobic capacity, which is measured by the maximum oxygen consumption, decreases with advanced age at about 30 to 40% per decade. You'll notice that. I hear a lot of people say, geez, I'm getting out of breath as I go up the stairs now. Yeah, this is what's gonna happen. And this decreases is due to several factors, including a reduction in cardiac output and audiovenous oxygen difference, okay? And the reduction in maximum cardiac output is due primarily to the reduction in maximum heart rate, which decreases by about one pulse per minute per year. Just makes common sense, I think most people know this, that if we do some cardiovascular work, we're gonna get more aerobically fit and all the processes in the body are going to get better. With the oxygen we take in, the oxygen that's diffusing from the lungs into our, into our bloodstream and then when the bloodstream, that, that those, those nutrients get from the bloodstream to our cells and then the waste products come out of the cells into the bloodstream, into the lungs and then back out. Well, that whole process all gets better. So I'm not gonna get too far into cardiorespiratory stuff. We have three areas that we take a look at. We look at CP, our aerobic capacity, and our anaerobic capacity. Kind of makes sense. But I wanna get into some of the other ones here with you a little bit, okay? So now, if we take a look at balance and mobility changes as we age, probably most people know this already, the balance and the whole body mobility, the ability to move around our environment, including get up and down out of a chair, up and down the stairs, up and down off the floor, proper gait pattern, being able to walk correctly. You notice as people get a little bit older, they start to shuffle. They are typically affected by the aging process. They get worse with advanced age. Losing flexibility, neuromuscular control, movement speed, vision, vestibular function, cognitive posture, and more all contribute to the problem of increased fall rates in America talked about falls before, about one-third of the community-dwelling adults over the age 65 and 50% of those over 80 fall each year. 
with rates increasing for institutional residents. So between 20 to 30% of fallers suffer injuries that reduce their mobility and potentially compromise their independence. Falls are the leading cause of injury deaths in older adults. Up to age 64, the leading death from accidents is car accidents. After age 65, the leading death from accidents is falls. And approximately 5% of all falls result in fractures in the hips, in the hip fractures, okay? And other fractures in the body. And the hip being the most common, okay? And 95% of all hip fractures are caused by falling, by the way. And those who suffer hip fractures, 50% of those people never regain the ability to walk and 20% die within six months. And I'm gonna go through all the numbers, but the fall rate of older adults, because the older population is growing, is increasing. So like between the years 2007 and 2060, fall death rates in the United States increased 30%. So you need to address this. And you might think, hey, you know what? I don't notice any change in my balance or anything like that. But these, all these things that occur in the body occur slowly over time and we don't realize it. So as we take a look at a program and we take a look at balance, you may not say, okay, balance, I'm gonna stand on one foot, that's working on my balance. No, 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 no. There's multi-sensory things we take a look at. There's postural structures we have to take a look at. We have to take a look at fitness for balance, and we have to take a look at your center of gravity and motor control. All those things are involved in balance. The visual system, the somatosensory system, the vestibular system are all things that have to be addressed. And for any of those areas to get better, you need to challenge them. You need to challenge the body for any one of the areas I've talked about so far. Neuromusculoskeletal, cardiorespiratory, balance, mobility, you know, mobility, including all that stuff I spoke about a minute ago, getting up and down off the ground, agility. You have to challenge it. You have to progressively overlay. You have to figure out a way to ask the body to get better. If not, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, like running in osteoporosis, it no longer works. You don't get better you're not going to improve. So you need to know and understand how to progress those areas. So with that, we're gonna take a look at mobility, we're gonna take a look at balance. So we so far we've gone over five of the areas of true physical function, true exercise, a great exercise program, and it's neuromuscular, it's musculoskeletal, it's cardiorespiratory, it's balance, and it's mobility. Now here's an area that people are really, the cognitive changes that occur with aging. And while it's commonly believed that senility and dementia are normal aspects of aging, research indicates, yes, research indicates that age-related cognitive decline is attributed more to the secondary effects of lifestyle, especially health and fitness, rather than the primary effects of the aging process. What does that mean? Maybe if I stay fitter, I might not have such cognitive de decline. And, you know, there's numerous aspects to the cognitive functions, okay, such as the processing speed, memory abilities, attention processes, executive functioning, and each may be more or less affected by the aging process and lifestyle functions factors depending upon your, your lifestyle. 
And in, evidence indicates this is that diseases such as diabetes and cardiovascular disease and cerebrovascular disease impair neurophysiological function. So there's a link between the, the state of your heart health and your brain health. If your heart is healthy, you're going to be able to keep your brain healthy. So there are all kinds of things that we can do to improve sensory motor speed, perceptual processing speed, gait speed, dual task abilities, all this kind of stuff that you may be thought of as just going to happen. Just like you think, well, I'm going to get older, I'm going to get weaker. I'm going to get older, my bones are going to break. I'm going to have osteoporosis. I'm going to get older. I'm going to have these this other aging things that we just think are going to happen. I'm going to get older, so I'm going to get heavier, right? I'm going to get older, so I'm going to lose my balance. I'm going to lose my cardiorespiratory fitness. I'm going to lose my cognitive function. But it really doesn't have to be. So when you're developing your exercise program, it's so much more. It's so much more than we probably think it really is. When we sit down and we say, okay, well, I went to the gym today and, and I lifted some weights. Okay, great. I'm glad you did that. You did something. I'm glad that you went to the gym and lifted some weights. And maybe you got on a machine and did some cardiovascular work. But did we do anything to help improve our balance? Did we do anything to help improve our cognitive abilities? Did we do anything to help our mobility? And mobility is not just flexibility, okay? Mobility is a lot more than that kind of stuff. And, and that's really what you need to be thinking about when you're going into an exercise program. All this kind of stuff. So if you're just thinking about exercise as a way to lose weight, okay, a way to trim down, then you're missing, you're really missing the boat because there is so much involved in a, a great individualized exercise program that's going to help you be able to function throughout life. You want to be able to function and enjoy life as we go along. So I hope this helps you. I hope this helps to help you think a little bit when you go to a facility, when you go to work with someone. It's not like, hey, what are we going to work on today? Arms or legs? I'm going to work on chest today. That is, that's not something that someone in our age group, someone over their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even in their 30s should be thinking about, hey, I'm going to do arms today or I'm going to do legs today. Or they say to their coach, you know what? Let's do some abs today because my stomach needs to flatten out. You're missing the boat. You're really missing the boat, and um, I'd be more than happy to help you with it. I'd be more than happy to give you some advice, help you think about this stuff. So I'm, I hope this today's presentation just puts a little seed in your mind so you start to think some of this stuff. And if you are working with a coach, I'm going to try to post this because, you know, I'm not too good at this technology stuff, obviously, because I couldn't share my screen and I thought I'd be able to today. I can post the picture that I was referring to that I wanted to put up on my screen so you'd be able to see it. Go to that coach. Go to that trainer and say, hey, am I working on all this stuff in my program? Am I working on all these things? What am I doing to improve my body on this stuff? Because I'm not just here to get stronger. I'm here to improve my function. I'm here to improve my daily living, and that's what I want to be able to do. I hope this was helpful. I am really happy that you listened to what I have to say today. Probably not a topic that you've ever thought about. Probably not something that you maybe you're interested. Hopefully this sparked a little bit of interest. And uh, hopefully this will help you improve your program and, and get you more functional and live a longer, better life.
So you can look for more information from me next Tuesday at the same time, 3.30, where I'm going to help you give insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Have a great evening, and thanks for watching.